Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. The sea, the sea, more ghosts, these ones full fathom five down. The story began in Belfast Lock, went to the Atlantic, then to the Hudson and East Rivers in New York. It's going to end in a moment on the Hudson. The thread that connects its narrative and its characters, fictional and real, are the waters that tie England and Ireland to New York, which is by its founding and still is in its bones, a port city. My own journey has been from Seagirt Island McGee to four blocks from the East River and a couple of miles from the open Atlantic. The street I live in leads to the Brooklyn Navy Yard, just as the street my grandfather lived on led to the yard at Harland and Wolf. My grandmother lost her husband to the yards and later lost one of her sons to the Atlantic when my uncle Harry died on the Queen Mary on his way to the Second World War. It's tempting to call the sea treacherous or cruel or angry, but you can only do that in a loose, poetic way. Our heroine Emma is finding out that it's men and women who spring the traps. I'm an alienist. My specialty is the hurt. We cannot see the wound that is not on the surface. Now, my task is to help you exit this place if... I consider you no longer a danger to yourself or society. How do you feel today? I'm... Do you feel strong enough to talk? I... Uh, yes. I'll try. She believed at first he was there to help her, but it is he who asks her to question her own identity. How would you establish who you are? Not to me, to yourself. How would anyone do that? William McBride from Belfast. He helped build the ship. Ask him what he knows. McBride. McBride, yes. Unfortunately. Ready, Malloy? Yeah. <sighs> His body was pulled out of the East River by the graving dock on Beard Street. He'd been seen earlier at Sonny's Bar on Carnival Street. They threw him out twice. After the second time, they never saw him again, but the barman did identify his body. Best guess is it was a dark night. He was walking back to his lodgings, pie-eyed, tripped on a mooring line, ended up in the water. There was nobody around to hear him shout for help, and... Yeah, well, maybe he was rolled. One of the wharf rats followed him, and... It's possible. Were the cops checking it out? Get real. What's one more floater? What about the harbor patrol? Because I, I know those guys. So you know their job's to protect the ship and wharf owner's property. Not the likes of this guy or you and me. What about the cut on his face? They pulled him out with the business end of a boat hook, then dragged him onto the dock. It's never pretty. So that's it, huh? No. Just another night the wrong end of Brooklyn. Hmm. For some, the voyage ends in silk sheets in the Knickerbocker Hotel. For others, uh... A cold slab in the, the city morgue. No, for some... The... Don't bang your gums, Malloy. There is no story here. It's what I do. I have an exclusive. 
It's what you used to do, and the newspaper's buying you out. You're going to Los Angeles via San Francisco to set up the press office for Mr. Hearst's new motion picture studio. First train tomorrow, Grand Central. I'm gonna what? You'll be handling his ballyhoo out there. Congratulations. Motion pictures don't have a future. Stay in New York and you don't have one. I'll be the only Irishman on the West Coast. Wise up, Malloy. The gag fest is over. You're not the golden boy anymore, but you got a break. Use it. Forget everything about this. Or maybe they'll be dragging you out of the East River with a boat hook through your jaw, too. There is more to this story. You, tomorrow, Grand Central. One-way ticket to Los Angeles. Have a good life in the back end of nowhere. Or maybe you'll be the punchline to the story. What about her? What happened to her? Who? Where is she? Who? They killed McBride. They had him killed. Don't you see? He was afraid they'd do that. Or it was a drunken accident. Or he killed himself, ended it all, couldn't face himself, face the consequences of the lies he told you. There's no proof they were lies. There's no proof he was who he said he was. If you cannot prove me insane, which is now what I believe you are trying to do, you must let me go. In New York State, sanity is decided on the facts of the case and not legal niceties or the clock. Those facts are adjudicated solely by medical professionals such as myself. I assume I'm not without legal rights. I can fight it in court. No, you can't. That's not how it works here. I'm insane because you say I am. I am trying to establish who exactly you are and how much a danger your release would be. And I'm asking you to consider, really consider, if you may not be one of the lost two, one of the missing or drowned. Perhaps the sea has taken you and you cling to these fantasies for support. Has there never been a moment when you asked yourself that? Of course there has. If what I believe I know is true, the conspiracy, the crime, it is so... So vast, so huge, for me to be the one who... How is that possible? He set another trap for her. Pounces. You said, believe you know. Did I? If what I believe I know is true. That is all one can say about anything that you believe it to be so. Seize that thought. Put it in your hand. Examine it. Take a moment. That is all I ask. Look at it and look into yourself. How much of this is real? It is real. It is all real. I should not have come here. Now will you let me leave? The gun. The gun? The gun. A Colt 1908 vest pocket pistol. A compact, hammerless, semi-automatic. Easily concealed in a pocket or purse. What has a... What has the gun to do with me? Hurst's been printing his usual nonsense about anarchists prowling the streets, fomenting revolution and mayhem. He's ordered the editors to protect themselves. It's all hooey, but let's say Flora Swanson at the city desk had a gun. Chances are it was in the same safe the documents were in. The ones you stole. I didn't steal them. But you got hold of them. You're saying I stole a gun, too? I didn't say that. 
I said there was likely a Colt 1908 vest pocket pistol in that safe. That's all. It's missing and you claim that I took it? All I'm saying is your patient here had access to the safe, Doc. Wouldn't it have been found in my hotel room? Is that not so if she possessed it? I'm not getting my point across. I have reason to believe that inside Swanson's safe was a pistol. That's all I'm saying. That's what I need you to be aware of. If there's no proof that it was there. And no proof that it wasn't? Did you ask Swanson? I sure did. I caught up with her on the Hudson Piers. The French line. Glad I caught you before you sailed, Mrs. Swanson. This won't take long. A man called Malloy came someone had papers about the Titanic that were in your possession and somehow ended up in hers. Stop there, please. I know who you are. My employers are aware of the inquiries you've been making. The Hearst Corporation will neither confirm nor deny the existence of any communication that any of its agents may have had with anyone on any subject whatsoever. It is privileged information shielded by the First Amendment. Baloney. It prizes its editorial independence and the constitutional guarantees it enjoys in light of a free press's central role in the healthy functioning of a democratic society. You will understand why I can say no more. Not even about the gun? I have made the only statement I am allowed to make. And you really want to run Mr. Hearst's Paris Bureau, right? That's your, what, promotion, deal, payoff? You will get nothing more from me. Look, I'm not going to make a Hammerstein roof garden production out of this, but off the record, one lady to another, in the interest of tying this thing up... We are both unusual women, Agent Spinks. The places we have gotten to, the things we each have had to do to get there, what we will do to stay the course. I think we understand each other. I understand you've cut some kind of deal, and Hearst paying for your stateroom on that steamship over there. Those like us, you and me, those few like you and me, those who are out of step with the common world and thus try harder to shine in it. It takes so much courage to get through every day, get over every obstacle put in our way. I think we worry about the moment when we may run out of courage. We fear there is such a moment coming due sometime, and we wonder how we will deal with it. Yeah. Phew, you laid that out right, sister. I get it. Believe me. Perhaps I have reached my moment. There's no judgments here. I'm looking for tracks in the wood, that's all. Can I get a little help? Direction so I can close this thing? No loose ends? Is she telling untruths to the world or just to herself? Is she lying, or is she delusional? What you're really asking is, is it melancholy or grief? All of us are capable of grief. 
of pain, of suffering. God knows I know that now. Not all of us succumb to melancholy, however. Melancholy, depression as they are beginning to call it, is a derangement of the psyche rather than an expression of its health. It can mark the most successful life, cloud the greatest happiness, a cancer of the spirit, one divorced from exterior cause, a thing in itself rather than a response to a thing, a generalized and disabling, sometimes totally disabling, sense of dread, a pain so intense that one can understand the sufferer's retreat into fantasy, her invention of an alternative world where sense, explanation of the suffering may be found. The stone in this brooch here is red or it's green. You gotta come down one side or the other. I'd like her to be who she says she is. If she's not, I'd prefer to think of her in a place that would care for her, not punish her. Ice cream and puppy dogs? We'd all like that. That's all I will say. All I can say. Except that I hope... I hope for your sake. You won't ever find the moment when your courage runs out. Somehow, I doubt that it will. You never can tell. Bon voyage. Watch out for icebergs. They got to her too. Silenced her. Bottom line. I can't prove your patient even saw the gun, Doc. If there was a gun. Sure, if. But you can't prove you didn't. All the doctor here needs to know is it was possible that one was there. You can't put a gun in my hand with words. There has to be a real gun in my possession. You can't make something out of nothing, conjure it out of the air to lock me away. Words are things. If you free her and she takes that shooter and blam, 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 they'll sue you all the way back to jolly old England with maybe a 10 to 15 thrown in for accessory before the fact. Criminal facilitation, foreknowledge of the crime, concealment of evidence, dereliction of professional duty, maybe even conspiracy. The next time I see you, Doc, I want to know that this has been put to bed. Okay? Miss Hinton, my task... My only task is to consider all the issues that have been... the questions which have... and restore you, whoever you are, to full health, if I can, and meantime, have you humanely cared for, should that not be possible. Meantime, you are my jailer. I am not your jailer. Then open that door. I wish to leave now. I cannot in all conscience allow that. Because you're being paid... To keep me from telling what I know. Because of the possibility that you may bring harm to yourself and to others. You cannot keep me in Bellevue forever. There are other facilities, sanatoriums, ones devoted to cases such as yours. Such as mine. How can we possibly begin to make progress until we agree on who you are? Who will pay for me to be kept there? Morgan. J.P. Morgan, here his bank, his cronies, 
the men he's in league with. I think you should go back to the ward now. I will schedule another interview when you are calmer. I'm totally calm. All I want to know is where I'm to be kept and how long will you keep me there? And on whose orders? Who must I convince that I should be set free? Rest. Reflect. We will speak again in a few days, a week, perhaps. We can't talk further. Now, you won't let me persuade you who I am. Two burly men stand in the doorway. They hold thick leather restraints. They are calm, expressionless. They've been summoned here before and know what to do. Take her. The two men walk towards Emma. Her doctor looks away, pretends to move some papers on his desk. No, no, no! I'm sorry. It is 1912. It is only a few years since the law was changed in England to require that every mental institution have at least one doctor on its staff. Until then, they were places where the inconvenient could be detained for any amount of time. Nice little setup you have going here, Doc. They call you brain engineers, Docs? Discreet? Secure? Folger Adams locks on the doors, just like in the county jail. Just look at that view. That's the river down there, right? Behind the trees, over that wall... What's that got to be, 12, 15 feet high? You've committed her here? Not yet. Not formally. I'm still assessing her, considering what the options for her treatment are. How's it looking now she's been moved upstate? The little people still dancing in her head? She shows a wide range of symptoms and effects, some of them florid. What they amount to, where they point as we go forward, I can't currently... Bottom line, cuckoo? Or con artist? I have to consider the latter possibility, of course, but I'm confident we'll get to the root of things. This is in many ways a new science, the science of the mind, but with novel drug treatments, hot baths, cold plunges, the talking cure, even possibly one day electric shocks, there is hope for her. Some of Freud's work on hysteria looks promising in such cases, the derangement of the feminine impulses. You don't just chain us girls to the wall anymore, right? I have devoted my career, my life, both in England and here, to fighting abuses like that. It is my expectation that at some point we will make the progress with her that is required, and one day we shall... If you think this is just a little detour for her, you're as buggy as she is. What I suggest you do is straighten out your own head... And keep her here until nobody cares what she or anybody else has to say about some tin can lying at the bottom of the distant ocean. What if the gun is still in the safe? I went to the French line pier. You know that. I spoke to Swanson. That door's closed. A court order wouldn't that open it? Uh, then you're getting into probable cause and reasonable suspicion. And a lot of wheels start to turn. Hearst calls Morgan, and Morgan calls my boss, and he calls me, and Morgan calls you, and... I don't think we want to go there. If the gun is in the safe. I'm doing this for a paycheck. I don't give a good goddamn what you tell yourself you're doing it for. You limey jerk. What? What name did you call me? Doc. I called you Doc. Take the pen. The doctor hesitates, then decides... 
Or does he simply wash his hands of the whole thing? There. Some years ago, I was in a coffee shop in Beverly Hills. The residuum of my northern Irish accent caught the ear of a smartly dressed elderly woman who told me that her husband was Irish and had made a fortune in real estate in Los Angeles, which was more than I did. Conversation became general, and then she lowered her voice and said, You know about Hillary Clinton? It was around the 2016 election when Clinton was running against Trump. I said I was aware of her, and my new friend leaned in closer. You know she's a clone? The story she told me was that years before, Bill Clinton had killed his wife in a drunken rage. He'd promised to make her the first female president, and that was also the ambition of Hillary Clinton's life, so they, it's always they, covered the murder up, found a look-alike, and taught her to walk, talk, and act like the now-dead candidate. When I asked why the they had gone to such length, she said, Hillary Clinton always wanted to be the first female president. I pointed out that supposing this was all true, it wouldn't accomplish its purpose because it would not be Hillary Clinton in the White House, but her double. Across the table, she looked at me pityingly, as if I'd failed to follow the story. But Hillary Clinton always wanted to be the first female president. I was reeling a bit by then, but Gamely came back in the same terms, and this time the rejoinder was tinged with incredulity and anger. You don't understand. Hillary Clinton always wanted to be the first... And so on. In that coffee shop, I'd been talking to an outwardly sane person who had been given a key that would open all doors to understanding the world. In a confusing, fractured universe, things now made perfect sense because of this hidden knowledge that she possessed and which only a select number of others did, hidden knowledge that empowered her and set her apart from the Egypts like me who just didn't get it or refused to get it. Was she crackers? Did she believe what she breathlessly told me? Was she spinning a yarn? What else did she believe in that could set your hair on fire? Were there dozens like her out there, or millions? Now we know it's millions and millions of millions, but even if they're off their rockers, their desperate need to believe in something... Something, something, has to be examined. In Emma's case, is it... A tragedy, which you somehow connected with in a personal way. A drama, in which the major role is yours. Or... A crime that took the man I loved. Has the world been lying to her? Or has she been lying to herself? Has she drifted into... An alternative world, where each fact may in itself be true... But the totality of facts becomes a fiction. Or is it she who is in the right and who is trying to speak truth to power? Is it she who really does have a key that fits every lock? The hidden knowledge that will bring her justice. If only she can make herself heard and believed. My name is Emma Hinton. My fiancé was Henry George Barton... 
He was a pianist. He was murdered on the Titanic by some of the most powerful men in Britain and America. Four days after I came to New York, I was tricked into writing down all that I suspect by a man I trusted. That a fire in the coal bunker weakened the hull. That it did not need to hit an iceberg to sink. That some people had warning. That warning was kept from Morgan's enemies. The document in which I recorded it all was stolen from me. And sold to the man who murdered fifteen hundred people, and I have been placed here, in a city of death in life. My name is. My name. My name. Of course, the Island McGee witches from the cottage I grew up in claimed hidden knowledge too. They were also punished for that claim. Two of them died because of it. The great ship my grandfather helped build is at the bottom of the sea. Fifteen hundred of those who walked up the gangway died. The woman who calls herself Emma Hinton tells us that her fiance also died. Others claim that she is lying either to them or herself or both. We might all agree that there is one truth, and one truth only. But as she herself said, "How do we know what we know?" In the final episode of Ghosts of the Titanic by Ron Hutchinson, Emma was played by Genevieve Gaunt. And Danny Malloy by John Hopkins, Flora Swanson by Lizzie McInerney, and William McBride, Virgil McElheron, Loretta Spinks, Sarah Ridgeway, and Charles Myers, Clive Brill. The narrator was Ron Hutchinson. Music was by Steve Edis, and sound design Joe Bridell Brill. Ghosts of the Titanic was directed by Owen O'Callaghan, and it was a Big Fish Radio production for Radio Ulster. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.